Welcome into episode 16 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rowe alongside Scott Bandy, and week 13 was a total PrintFest. <laughs> we both ended up playing the same lineup. We both put up 179 flat. The line to cash was, God, I have to scroll down here. How? What was the line to cash? It was 149, so about 150. So we scored 29 points above the line to cash. So smash the triple ups, got cash and tournaments, all that. We won 100% of our head-to-heads. I, I played 165 at head-to-heads. I didn't lose one. So it was a clean sweep in cash games, total print fest. What a week. Yeah, through the last four weeks, my lineups, I have I have won 100% of my head-to-heads. Then I won zero. Yeah. Last week I broke even about, and then now I won 100%. What a what a wild month it's been. But yeah, man, we just a clean sweep around the board. I cashed everything yesterday, 100% of my head-to-heads. Uh, I thought I was going to end up losing one, but I ended up pulling that off too. So uh, <laughs> yeah, what a week, man. Yeah, total windmill from Adams in the, the, the second touchdown where he caught it at like the eight-yard line and just took a stiff arm to Darius Slay's mouth, drove him into the end zone for Aaron Rodgers' 400th touchdown, uh, 400th career touchdown. So, man, yeah. And especially getting Devontae Adams at 25% ownership when Dalvin Cook was over 50%. And, oh, man, just just total print fest from, from our team. So, we'll start at quarterback. So, Aaron Rodgers – he ended up finishing with 295 yards. So he was almost, we, we could have printed even harder. Uh, you know, if, if he had five more yards, that's another three points that he tacked onto that. Uh, he ended up scoring 23 and a half, ended up being just fine for 6,800. He was just underpriced. And we talked about that on Friday. He was underpriced and he ended up being like 50% owned in double up. So, you know, rightfully so. He was the best quarterback play on the slate by far. Not even close. Yeah, I mean, the only other guy we talked about really was uh, was uh, Kirk Cousins, and he, he didn't really get that much ownership at all. Everyone just everyone just went to Rodgers, um, and rightfully so, man. I mean, in this game, I mean, home against Philly. Philly's been atrocious all year. Just, I mean, 6.8K for what he's been doing. He's hit value, I think, every single week but one, I think is what we said. He hit 19 points one time. Everything else has been over 20. Uh, another spot where, I mean – there was just really nothing to fear. And at 6.8K, I mean, he was as safe as it gets on this slate. And, I mean, you can see that. I mean, 51% owned. And, I mean, three points away from the bonus, man. In a lot of weeks, that would be really tilting. But the way the rest of our lineup performed, it didn't even make a difference. Yeah, so, yeah, the only other quarterback I really considered was Cousins. um, And he ended up scoring, like, 26 as well. So, uh, you know, either way, it would have been a smash fest, So. We'll move on to running back. So I thought there were probably five um, running backs that were viable in cash. Um, and up top, obviously, Dalvin Cook was viable. Um, in the mid-tier, Austin Eckler, James Robinson. And then down low, um, Dave Montgomery, Miles Gaskin. And people played Devontae Booker and their, you know, their total fish. But uh, Henry, I guess, was also in consideration. But, uh, you know, not really as much later – uh, the further we got into the week. So we'll start with James Robson, who was, you know, on the road taking on this uh, this Minnesota defense. But 
you know, Jacksonville's been keeping games close. Every, you know, in the last four games, they've they put up at least 20 points. So, you know, I thought they would keep this game close, and they did. They actually got out to a lead early, so it, it set up nice game script for James Robinson. He ended up having, like, 24 touches, got over 100 yards um, from scrimmage, and ended up getting to the box. So 22.8 for 7,300, that's perfectly fine. He got the volume that we wanted, and he was only 11% on. People just didn't want to play him for whatever reason. I don't know. He was a great play. Yeah, he was like the forgotten man at running back. Uh, Eckler got a lot more ownership than I thought he would. Him and Dalvin were over 50%. And then I think you had those three guys in the mid-fives. Uh, Dave Montgomery, obviously the highest owned, but then Gaskin and Booker also saw a bunch of ownership. So it kind of just lowered the amount of people who were on Robinson. And we had talked about it on Friday night, man. He just gets it done week in, week out, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Yep. Mike Lennon seemingly has had no effect on him, even though he's played pretty good. Um, so, I mean, yeah, man, uh, six receptions through the air is probably more than we thought he would get, but that, that's another reason we like him is we know he's on the field for virtually every single snap. No other running back is getting a touch. Um, and it just so happened that the game strip kind of helped him for a lot of this game too. I mean, they got up big on Minnesota, which I mean, I, at least I wasn't expecting. So yeah, man, great performance by Robinson. Yeah, I mean, and moving on to our, our second highest price running back we played. So Austin Eckler, I mean, he ended up having nine targets in this game. I think he ended up having like 12 touches and he had like, you know, 68, uh, you know, yards from scrimmage. So obviously a, a floor game from him. But even in his floor game, still got 10.8. The team, the Chargers got the doors blown off from 45 to nothing. And he still ended up scoring 10.8. Um, you know, I, I'm perfectly fine. Um, with the process of playing Eckler, and I will go right back to him at 7K next week, taking on Atlanta. I, I don't care. I'll go right back to him. Yeah. Um, simply put, guys can't just smash every single week. Yeah. I mean, DFS would be a lot easier of a game if, if it was just that easy. I mean, yeah, Eckler only put up 10 points, but, I mean, he was owned by half the field, so it really didn't hurt us that bad. It would have hurt us a lot more, say, if he was, you know, 10 to 20 percent owned yeah um, but again uh, man they could really dig at the doors blown off then justin herbert really shit his pants in this game uh <laughs> it seemed like every other play on the espn was just incomplete to austin eckler no, no, i'm no. not even sure how many targets he ended up getting in this game but man they're not even put up any any fight whatsoever it was a little scary that they might just bench their starters, but they stuck through with it. Uh, didn't really help them much, but yeah, I mean, at 7.1K, it's process over results, right? And coming into the game, he had 16 targets last week. I think he had, you know, 25 touches. Uh, and at seven at a 7.1K price tag against a bad defense, uh, I mean, say what you want about New England. I don't think they're a very good defense. Uh, I'll take that workload in that in that receiving floor all all day every day, and at seven K next week against Atlanta, I'll go right back. Absolutely, yeah. And our last running back play, so we, we ended up playing Dave Montgomery, and you know he was fifty eight percent owned uh, in double up, so he was the chalkiest running back on the slate. But at fifty five hundred at home against the worst run defense in the NFL, we were never going to pass that up. I, I don't think I, I never really wavered on Montgomery. Um, you know, he ended up having. What I think 21 touches for, you know, well over 100 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns, and he ended up having four targets. So 27 points. He was the highest scoring running back on the slate. 5,500. That was a total smash. 
And man, if you didn't play him, I, I think that there's something wrong with your process. I mean, yeah, Dave Montgomery is not a sexy name that you want to click, but that kind of volume that he's going to get at that price in that matchup is just is not fadeable in cash games. I don't think. I mean, I, I definitely was hesitant on the play just because of my personal vendetta against David Montgomery. Yeah. Um, but the workload in the matchup were just so, so, so tasty. I mean, Detroit is, I mean, the bottom five run D. They've been getting smashed all year. 5,500 for that workload. And what really eased me on this play is that I knew he was going to be out there uh, getting the passing down work. Yeah. Um, and that is exactly why I went to him over someone like Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker is a guessing game with his with his volume and, and what, what, what role the Raiders offense is going to allow him to play. I saw a lot of people on Twitter this week saying, oh, well, in three games where Josh Jacobs missed in 2019, DeAndre Washington got 25, 20, and whatever, how many touches. Okay, well, that was last year, and this isn't DeAndre Washington. And yep. so that's not really relevant, in my opinion. Um, the, the simple fact is that the exact same price, as much as I hate David Montgomery, uh, the matchup was better, and I knew what his workload was going to be. I, I have historical data from the last few weeks to tell me what David Montgomery's workload is going to be. Um, right. So I thought it wasn't even close between him and Booker in, in cash games, at least. I thought Booker was absolutely fine for tournaments, but in cash, man, if you prioritize Booker over Montgomery – you're just selling yourself short, no matter what you think of David Montgomery. Yeah, we talked about that on Friday that uh, Montgomery was uh, a much, you know, more locked in workload of a play than than Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker's role, you're just kind of guessing and hoping that he gets the volume that we know Montgomery is likely going to get. So moving on to wide receiver, uh, we got to start with with the windmill of Devontae Adams. So he ended up going 10 for 121 and two on 12 targets, 37.1 DraftKings points at 9K, and he was only 25% owned in double ups. What are people doing? The Eagles are horrid. Darius Slay, they, people like, I guess they, they shy away from like these wide receiver cornerback matchups. And it's just like, doesn't matter for these guys like DK Metcalf and Devontae Adams and guys like that, that can, just beat these one-on-one matchups. You can't cover Devontae Adams one-on-one. And the Eagles tried to do it with Slay. They didn't give him any help, and he got absolutely torched all game long. And then he ended up limping off saying, oh, I have a knee injury. I'm not, my knees hurt. I can't cover Devontae anymore. After he slammed his face into the ground. <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers' 400th career touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, and, and the nice thing about playing Adams in this spot was getting the, the stack and correlation with, with our quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. And, and we talked about the rapport that Rodgers and Devontae Adams have and how important I think that is. Um, just, just total smash. I mean, it, Devontae is having a ridiculous, ridiculous season, and we're just going to keep playing him. He's only 9,300 next week, taking on Detroit. Right, we're going to get right back to him. Yeah, I think Darius Slay's ego took a hit more than anything in this game. I don't really think it the yeah. knee or whatever it was. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's the thing. Guys like Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, I don't care about cornerback matchups. No one can cover them. I, d- I don't care. Um, 
So, I mean, like we said about Devontae Adams, similar, uh, way higher floor than someone like Derrick Henry. Uh, not even, it's not even in question. And then access to the ceiling for both these players was far more likely in both of our opinions in favor of, of Devontae Adams. And I mean, this wasn't even his ceiling to be completely honest. I mean, if he went, you know, 14 for 180 and three, no one in the world would be like, holy crap, I'm shocked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and man, what a smash spot again at only 25% ownership. Um, that seemed a little bit lower than we thought, but we also didn't think Dalvin would be owned by 50% of the field. Now, Derrick Henry's ownership was down in the teens, like the low teens. Um, right. And that, that was something that was surprising. But <laughs> tell you what, when I saw it, I felt a lot better about not having to, to fear the, the boom Derrick Henry game. But yeah. look what Derrick Henry did and look what Devontae Adams did. Now, not, not the results, but the process. The game script for Derrick Henry got out of hand quick. And he got stonewalled for most of that game. Uh, the Titans, it got mollywopped, frankly. Yeah. Like, like they got beaten down quickly in that game. And the game script got way, way, way bad for Derrick Henry. But that's just the risk you take on with Derrick Henry. I mean, if he's not going to hit the bonus and he's not going to score three times, he's not going to hit value. He's not going to be able to break the slate. Um, whereas a guy like Devontae Adams, it's a full point PPR site. Every catch is another point. You're not going to get that from Derrick Henry. You know, you're relying solely on touchdowns. So that's why we love Devontae Adams. And in addition to that, he's a touchdown monster. I mean, this dude is such a lock to score any in any given week. It's not even funny. Aaron Rodgers literally doesn't care about anyone else on the team. When he gets down to the red zone, the money zone, his first three reads are Devontae Adams. And if he's not open, he throws it to Devontae anyway. Like, it's just, wow. he just doesn't care. Yeah. He's just such a baller, man. I mean, at 9K, yeah, it's expensive, but he hits – it doesn't matter. He's just that safe. Yeah, on that first drive, they, they threw three balls consecutive right to him from inside the five. Just boom, boom, boom. Even on fourth down, just jammed it to him. This doesn't matter. I mean, Rodgers is going to jam it to him every time in one-on-one coverage. So uh, that is so valuable. Um, yeah, Adams is a total smash. So our our second wide receiver, uh, you know, Robert Woods, he ended up being, you know, 29% owned. He was decently chalky. He ended up having 11 targets and had 10 catches for 85 yards. So maybe unlucky he didn't score a touchdown when the Rams scored 38 points in this spot. Um, you know, and he, he was pretty close to the bonus too, so – you know, I, I think it's pretty standard day. I mean, we expected, you know, eight to 10 targets in this spot. You end up getting 11 and caught 10 of them. So 18 and a half points for 5.9K, that's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm happy with that. I was happy with the process coming into the game. Uh, he had like, you know, in his last two games that he played, I think he had like 15 and, and 11 targets, something like that, heading into this spot. So, yeah, I mean, Woods was high floor and decently high ceiling in this game and, you know, scored 18 and a half, perfectly fine. Yep, I mean, 18 and a half points at 5.9K, just edged out value there. Um, we talked about why we liked Cup uh, a little bit less than Woods this week. Woods has just been way more consistent week in, week out. Probably doesn't have the ceiling the Cup has, but really what you're looking for is is a high floor, and that's what we got here. Probably unlucky that he didn't hit the bonus. I mean, how many times is Robert Woods going to have 10 receptions in a game and not hit the bonus? So, yeah. Um, so he was per perfectly fine. Um, he was probably due to the negative touchdown regression. He's, I think he's already hit a career high in that, in that uh, statistic. So 
but regardless, I mean, 18 and a half points at 5.9 K, you're never going to, it's never going to hurt you. It's exactly what you're looking for. So he is fine. Yep. Yeah. And then our last five receiver play was uh, Kiki Cutie. And, you know, at 3,500, we talked about him and, uh, and the, the, about him and then Brandon Cooks. And Brandon Cooks ended up leaving this game with a, with another concussion, which he has like a bad his, history of. But he still ended up playing um, or running 41 routes and Kiki ended up running 42. So, he was really out there for basically every, every, um, you know, route and all that. So, and, you know, Kiki ended up scoring 25 points and uh, Brandon Cooks ended up scoring 11. So, you know, we, we certainly ran, ran hot with Kiki for him to go eight for 141, um, you know, clearly get to the bonus. He, he was pretty chalky, but Brandon Cooks was, you know, 50% owned and Kiki was down at 34. So, uh, we got a nice little edge there with Kiki basically doubling up more than doubling up Brandon Cooks at lower ownership. Um, you know, Kiki, man, it, it was a nice spot for him, 3,500 with no Will Fuller, no Isaiah Coulter even. Like, it, they're just running Chad Hansen out there uh, with Kiki and with Brandon Cooks. I was like, man, even in the matchup against Indy, but in this matchup against Indy, he's played four games against Indy, three games over 100 yards. It's like the guy just eats up Indy's zone defense. I don't know what it is, but uh, at 3,500, we were never fading Kiki in this spot. Yeah, I mean, again, 3,500, you had to find value on this slate. And for the folks who played Brandon Cooks, I don't know where they found that value. I know a lot of people played both Cooks and Cootie. I do not agree with that decision whatsoever. I, don't, I think that runs you pretty thin. It limits your upside. Yeah. Um, Plus, playing one or the other gets you leverage off the other guy. So, like we said, we <laughs> Kiki outscored Cooks by 14 points. That's a ma- that's massive leverage against half the field. You know what I mean? Uh, why play both of them? I I didn't understand that decision at all. Um, but yeah, man, Kiki absolutely smashed. Obviously, we weren't expecting 25 points. We're not expecting eight for 141. But man. Uh, like we said, he was out there for every single snap. He was forced to get targets whether or not the Texans wanted to use him. Uh, they just have no one else. I mean, even Chad Hansen's out there getting a 100-yard bonus. Are you kidding me? Come on. So yeah. um, really, really strong play at 3,500. Yeah, and attaching your your wide receiver to a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, I mean, that that's just always something I want to be a part of with how good Deshaun Watson is. And, yeah, I mean, the people who played Kiki and Cooks, I think that – I, honestly, I think that's like a three condom play because I think that might increase your floor there. Yeah. I mean, like you're kind of protecting yourself if one of them goes off and the other one doesn't, but you're eliminating your upside and really you're never going to sweep anything like we did, you know, by playing both of them. It, you're just not because it's likely one of them does a little bit better than, than the other one and we end up being on Kiki had no exposure to Brandon Cooks. And it certainly worked out. I mean, it's a higher variance way to play, but that's the way that I like to play. Um, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes. Well, here's the other thing. Like a guy like Kiki, if I tell you that Kiki puts up 25 points and you also play Cooks and you expect them both to go off, why aren't you just playing Sean Watson? Because they can't both go off without Watson. But none of the lineups I saw with both of them had Watson. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, you know, why? Like it's just- you know what it is? It's people seeing an optimizer and they're seeing, oh, well, Brandon Cooks and Kiki Kuti are both popping as a top value in this optimizer. I'm just going to jam them both. It's like, yeah. Uh, 
football DFS, NFL DFS is much more of an an art really than than just jamming in projections. It's, it's not like basketball where it's just like, okay, this is how many points this guy scores per minute. He's expecting to get more minutes. I'm just going to jam him in. You know, and it's just not the way that kind of stuff goes with NFL. Um, there's a lot more nuance to it than just jamming in the highest projected values on the slate. Yeah, I mean, you can't just go into a slate uh, just blindly following a projection system or blindly following whoever your model tells you to play. I mean, it's, it's not that cut and dry. Yeah. So moving over to, to tight end, our last spot here, 2,500. We talked about him, uh, you know, Anthony Ferkser. And seemingly he had nothing going until like the last drive. I think he had like one catch going to the last drive, but then he came alive. I think he caught like four straight balls. He ended up going five for 51 on seven targets. So you know, the game script ended up being perfect for him. And he was our best point per dollar play on the entire slate. Ended up like five Xing his salary at 2,500 scoring 10.1 points. I mean, just a total smash on Anthony Berkshire. He was the highest owned tight end. And, and honestly, you know, I, I don't know. I think he got maybe a little bit unlucky with Michael Pruitt scoring twice. I mean, God. Uh, okay, that second touchdown, too, for Pruitt was a load of crap, man. Yeah, it was a touchdown. Uh, uh, he fumbled on the goal yeah. line. And Pruitt grabs it. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding. Pruitt scores twice. But, I mean, whatever. Ferks are still out there. 2,500, that's what we were talking about. I mean, starting tight end. In the game that has the highest total on the slate at min price, lock it. Yeah, we were never fading Berkser. And I'm sure people – and Waller was like 4% owned in double-ups, but I'm sure people did play him and props to them for him back to Waller. I just don't pay up for tight end anymore unless it's Travis Kelsey in like a home run spot. I just won't pay up for tight end. It just doesn't matter. Uh, there's just no opportunity cost, especially if Kelsey's not on the slate then I'm fine punting it off. Even if the punt is a garbage ass play, I don't care because it, it really, it really doesn't matter. We've had weeks where we punt it off at 2,500 and get a zero and we still smash because it's, it, it, it's what it gets in for the rest of your lineup. So we've, we've beaten that horse completely dead at this point <laughs> to punt off tight end. And we're going to continue to do it every single week. And we'll, you know, we'll talk about it on Friday, who our guy this week is going to be. But, um, you know, and, and, we, and we put it off with the Falcons defense. And we, one thing is tight end and defense are two spots where I'm, I will never pay more than 3K for my defense. I just won't do it. There's too much variance in the, in the defense position. And it, there's just no point in doing it. So I always find someone to pay down for. And it ended up being the Falcons defense at 2,400. They were like 10% owned, whatever. Um, but they were at home, so it was like your defense at home. They ended up getting a couple sacks and had a fumble. I just like them taking on Taysom Hill. I, I still I, – I don't know. Maybe I'm getting proved wrong after each week, but I still don't really believe in Taysom Hill, and I don't know. Maybe I just have to eat it that he's okay because he's been really solid, actually, uh, throwing the ball. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong to keep playing defenses against him, but I do it every week. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I continually target defenses against Taysom Hill too. I don't think he's very good. I mean, he just finally threw a passing touchdown um, to Traquan this week. But like, I just I have no faith in Taysom Hill. Uh, it's just a matter of time until he unravels, until he throws a pick six, till he fumbles, you know, something like that. So, um, I, I mean. Four points at 2,400. I mean, it is what it is. It's defense. They didn't get me negative, so I'm happy. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so wrapping up our our lineup, I mean, God, it scored 179, clean sweep head-to-heads. Obviously, it's a, it's a huge boon to our bankrolls, and really, I need it. I've been I've been um, taking it on the chin a couple weeks this year. You know, I, I had a week where I played Paris Campbell, and he ripped his knee up, and then I played Deontay Johnson, and he missed the game, you know, after like two snaps. So I've had a couple of uh, some bad – Yeah, the Burrow game, yeah. So – uh, and the Justin Jackson game. How about that one? He like, got hurt in pretty warm, so whatever. So there, there's been some some bad weeks of, of some bad variants. Certainly feels good to be on the on the right side of of some variants here, getting a ceiling game from Devontae Adams and, and Dave Montgomery and Kiki Cutie. So uh, you know, the only player in our entire lineup that really kind of shit the bed was Eckler, and he was actually the guy I felt the best about heading into the into the slate. So um I feel really good about, you know, the, the process heading into, um, you know, making this lineup. And then obviously the result was just uh, super good for our bank account. So feeling good heading into the home stretch here. We're heading into week 14 and, um, you know, we, we will be back on Friday, breaking down again, our favorite plays on the slate. And on uh, last Friday, we talked about every single guy in our, in this lineup, every last one of them, we talked about them. So um you know, the guys we talk about are the guys that we like, and you know, we end up playing them on Sunday. So that is going to do it for episode 16. Or no, is it 15? I can't remember what it is, 15 or 16. Can't remember, but that's going to do it for this episode of the PrintFest DFS podcast. We'll be back on Friday night breaking down our favorite plays of the week 14 slate on DraftKings. Until then, sayonara.